barrier blessings. How many of you have barriers in the way of God's blessing? I do. I do, doggone it. Sometimes they, they, they just can't find me and overtake me. But I'm looking for them sometimes. Sometimes I keep, I'm kept from experiencing fulfillment or satisfaction or peace or healing. The multiplied blessings of God. And you know, from the time that Christ was crucified on the cross, if there are any barriers that arise between God and man, guess whose side it's on? It's on our side. It's not on his side. There is not a shortfall of blessing in heaven. And God's arm is not too short to reach us. So what's the problem? It's us. We have a problem. At the death and resurrection of Jesus, all the barriers went down on God's side. So if there's any kind of spiritual barrier blocking your spiritual progress, something that's holding you back, frustrating you, pulling you down, keeping you from joy and peace and satisfaction that we ought to have, that barrier is on our side, not God's. And in my personal experience, the greatest single barrier to full peace and perfect rest and get ready because I, want, I, I just know how this goes over. It's unforgiveness. What I am dealing with right now with people in my life, with the church, with our city, with our nation is unforgiveness. Pastor, why do you keep talking about unforgiveness? Because one, until we get it right, we can't stop preaching it. Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 18, and I believe this is the powerhouse verse for the church. Uh, Blake, I, or Mikey, I didn't give you anything, did I? Well, good luck. You chase me as fast as you can. Matthew 18, 18, and 19. Get out your Bibles. Flip quickly with me. Matthew 18, 18, and 19. You need to know this. Hey, way to go. Uh, and I believe I'm in New King James. I might still give you a minute because I want it to read right. There we go. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Where's the power coming from? Us, our mouth. We have power. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, con con agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What else do we need? What else, do, what else do we need? And I believe that this is where the church is at the cellular level. Where two or three believers are led together by the Spirit and by the name of Jesus. And the meeting point is the name of Jesus. And the one who brings them together is the Holy Spirit. The one who pours out the blessing. It comes directly from God. The Holy Spirit is, is the catalyst of the blessing getting from God to us. Do you know that the Holy, the, what the Holy Spirit does is he tells us what the Father is saying? Why would he tell us that? So we, the right things would come out of our mouth. The wrong thing continuously comes out of our mouth. In physical life, it's a principle that if the cell life is broken down, the body becomes unhealthy. And I believe the same is true about the body of Christ, the church. If the local cell life is broken down, the whole body can't be healthy. And in this cell, 
cell, the cell life is the germ of all the church life and the heart and source of all power. No one needs more power than what is stated here in this scripture if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them. All the power is contained in the application of that verse. And what I want to point out to you is it is a promise that this is a promise of power encircled and guarded by a fence. And you cannot get to that power without meeting the conditions. Can I tell you, God has a kingdom, and he has a kingdom rules in place. And you cannot, you cannot get through a back door on God. You can get through the back door on a lot of things. You can even do it in church. You can play the church game, but you can't play the God game. You'll lose. You can't, you can't mess with God. And you know what the fence is? The fence, and this is what I've been preaching on for about the last long time. Right relationship. It's based on right relationship. Right relationship to man. Right relationship to God. Not perfect. Praise God, he never said I had to be perfect in order to get his blessing. Praise God, he never said I had to be perfect to be able to receive salvation. That's not a prerequisite. I don't have to be perfect. But I need to have a right relationship with man and with God. No one belongs inside the fence who is not living in right relationship with God and man. Now let's go backwards. Same chapter, chapter 18. We're going to go to verse 15 through 17 of that same chapter. Just before Jesus gave this promise, he spoke about what to do if a brother offends you. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, and you go and tell him his fault between you and, and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take one or more, take one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. I don't want to be in that spot. But just after the promise in verse 18 through 20, Jesus went to give the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now, I want us to read this. Um, uh, Mikey, verse 23 through 35. You guys open up your Bibles. Get with me there. I don't know what translation I've got here. New Living. I'll stick with you, Mikey, through 35. Y'all know this story, but we're going to go through it anyway. I'm already out of time. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like... What are they trying to do? God is trying to speak from heaven into earth so in a way that we can understand what heaven is like. So God uses these, uh, th- these um, pictures for us to try to grasp how great it is. Now, I don't believe that it can hardly even be put into words how great it is, but God tries to put it into our language to understand. So this is a picture of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now that is an equivalent. I know you've probably heard this. I believe it's about $6 million. Just take that. I mean, that's just people have done studies and about $6 million. And when he had 
But he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be, that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And that, payment, uh, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell before him saying, Master, we have, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him that entire debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I think that's equivalent of, I think I've got $17. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell at his feet and begged him saying, it's the same phrase. Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave all the, that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. We do not see that side of God, or we don't talk much about that side of God. Now this is just put, put all together with, I can bind things on earth as they are in heaven. And if I'll agree with you, if I'll agree with fellow believers according to God's word, we will have what we say. But here comes, here comes this big doozy. We see, can you imagine, I've often wondered, I'm like, God, could the bank show up and tell me I'm free of my mortgage? You know, why not? You know, we see this picture. I'd love the bank to come knock on my door and say, you don't have to pay your mortgage anymore. We just wanted to give that to you. That hasn't happened yet. I'll keep praying. But can you imagine the magnitude of that debt? I mean, I'm sure we're all sitting here thinking, you know what? I may not owe $6 million, but it feels like $6 million. It feels like an unpayable debt. Can you imagine being released out of that debt? Not just released, but having someone come to you and say, I'm about to sell you and your wife to slavery. I'm about to basically just have you killed if you don't pay this. And saying, please, I will pay. And him saying, you know what? I'm going to have mercy on you. Go free. Imagine your home mortgage. You're getting that. And then somebody owing you 20 bucks. And you go into them and having the power over them to have them put into slavery or, or killed. Over 20 bucks. I want you to know when we hang on to unforgiveness, that's exactly what we do to Christ. This isn't part of my notes, but I want you to know if you really have Christ in your heart, you don't have a right to that unforgiveness. You don't have a right to it. You gave that up when you gave your all to Christ. We've just sang about giving all of our heart. Really? Well, I'll give it all but that. I'm going to show you it's not going to be good. Let's keep going. The Bible says that the master of the servant was very angry. After calling for him and inquiring about what it had, you know, his buddies heard what happened and went back to the master and said, Master, 
this guy you just set free has just went and had this other person bound up in his family for nothing. So what did the master do? He got angry. He got angry. And he said, you wicked servant. And you know what command he gave? For him to be delivered to the tormentors, to the tortures, until he should pay all that was due him. Then it goes on to say, so my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, I know this is, this is pretty deep, but hang in there with me. We can see that as he's talking right here at the very end, so will your Father do to you. You know who he's talking to? He's not talking to heathens. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians. That's us. Can Christians hold unforgiveness? Shoot, I don't know too many that don't. We do. Can I tell you, I spend, I I probably go through every day trying to search my heart for unforgiveness because it'll stick to you that easy. And it starts as bitterness and then it becomes offense. And then it becomes unforgiveness. And let me tell you, it's bad. Let me point out a couple facts to you. First, the failure to forgive is wickedness. It's not just a sin, it's wickedness. Second, the unforgiving servant was delivered to the tortures, and the Lord said, So my heavenly Father will do. Uh, will also do to you. Let me tell you, Christians, if you do not from your heart forgive your brothers and sisters from their trespasses, any harm, any injury, any debt, the Lord Jesus said God will treat you in the same way the master treated the unforgiving servant, delivering you to the tormentors. In my ministry, people come into my office regularly that is being tormented. Spiritually, mentally, physically. And you know, I sit there and we come in and we pray and we lay hands on on people and, and pray for people up here at the altar to be set free. These are people who call on the name of Jesus, who are spirit filled, who pro- profess salvation and acknowledge Christ as Lord, yet they are in the hands of the tormentor. They're in the hands of evil spirits and they don't have peace or joy. They're a subject to fear. Their minds are not at rest and they come to me. They come to the altar for deliverance. Now I want you to know these people aren't outside the church. They're in the church. You know, if we'll read this scripture, you know what the Lord says? They are in the hands of the tormentors because I have delivered them to the tormentors. Now hang in there with me. If God has placed anyone in the hands of the tormentors, there is no way out but his way. Now, I'm trying to give you a good word. All of a sudden, where y'all are all thinking, wait a minute, where's he going? What did he just say? God, God has them with the tormentors. It tells me that if I don't forgive, that I, w- I won't be delivered by Satan to the tormentors. I'll be delivered by God. Do we need to reread? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. Thank you, Mikey. You're right on top of it. So my heavenly will do to you also. Will do what? Listen now. 
this is, this is where the church wants to come to. We want to come and we want to worship and we want to have a good time until we have to literally give something up of value to us. I want you to know I cannot be a free man unless I forgive. And I've got people close to me that won't forgive. And I can't help them. I can't help them. You are dealing with something that is only hurting you. Only you. We're going to see as I continue into this series. It should have only taken tonight, but we, I'm telling you, I get back there on the drums. I get to worshiping, and I just zone out. I'm just, I am so desperate for worship. I got to go this week. Uh, I just stayed at home. I took the week off this last week. Y'all know I wasn't here the last week. But I went to church in Nashville. Just went to uh, Lyndall Cooley's church. And I'm telling you what, I just, Elizabeth said it was just good to go somewhere where we didn't have to do everything. Like, amen, I could raise my hands and not wonder if everybody's looking at me. I can just be goofy and nobody care. I, the people all around me is being goofy. I can be goofy. I can be goofy for the Lord. And let me tell you, man, it was good. It was good. And man, I, 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 it's what happened tonight. You know, uh, Miss Tammy um, had me leading a couple songs tonight, and then I got back there on the drum, drums. And I'm sorry, Caleb, I just zone out. I'm telling you, I want, I want to get to the throne room of God, and it's where I want to stay. And sometimes I kind of just, I'm there, and y'all are all wondering, where's what's he going to do? Is he going to come out here and preach? See, what's he going to do? I thought we came here for church, and he's back there with his eyes shut. And, Got people looking at him and wanting to get his attention, and he won't look up. What happens down here? I'll be down here, and people are trying to get my attention, and I'm, I'm there. But you know what? I can't get there if I got unforgiveness. I get stopped. God will stop me, and he'll say, what's that in your heart? Something's not right in your heart. And you know what? i got people right now that won't forgive me. And I've repented. Some things I've made mistakes, some things I haven't. Let me tell you, some of the things you're holding unforgiveness for, they didn't do nothing wrong. Some things you're holding unforgiveness for, they did. Doesn't say we can distinguish between the two. It says forgive. And, you know, you can take a pill. You can even come to the pastor and be prayed for. You can come to the altar but until you meet God's condition, you're not getting out of that. I don't believe I have overly inflected at all God's Word. It is God. It is God's plan. Is God a good God? Yes. But He must be followed His way. You know what His Word says? Whether we love Him or not, we'll obey Him. Now, I want to be, I want to, I want to show you that some of the things you're hanging on to are horrible things. They're awful. I, I know they're awful. Some of you have told me about them. And it breaks my heart. I told you guys maybe a, a month ago, I had, I've had, you know, things come at me sometimes and I seem like I've got myself together all the time, but sometimes it's just more than I can take. And I told Elizabeth, I said, I don't know that I can take much more of this because people are hurting. 
I want you to know, if you look to the left and the right of you, they're going through something. Everyone's going through something. Everyone. And it's about more than you can take. And you feel like, I don't know that I can make it this next minute. Can I tell you, I have been there where I didn't think I could make it the next minute. I was reading today, and I'll close with this. I was reading today, um, I'm, uh, uh, who's doing the Bible study? Are you doing the David Bible study? I've gotten ahead, ahead a little bit. I'm really quirky. I'm sorry. I'm just that way. Uh, we didn't meet this Monday because of, uh, this Sunday because of Labor Day. But it's talking about David and how David started getting afraid and wondering where God was. And it was at the time that everyone was chasing after him. He was dodging, dodging Saul, dodging the king, dodging people, dodging everybody. And he started crying out to God. I think it was Psalm 10. I can't remember. I've, I've read so much. But saying, where are you? I don't know where you are. And do you know why he didn't know where he was? It's because he was focused on the problem. When we get our focus on the problem, then God starts getting small. And all we can see is the problem. And you're focused on the problem. Now, let me, let me go back. These things that you're hanging on to. God said to forgive. It doesn't mean to put yourself back in the position for it to happen again. It does not say that. It does not say for you, if you're in an abusive situation, to continue to be abused. It does not say if you're in some horrible situation that you're supposed to keep getting hurt. Step number one, we need to get you safe. Step number two, you need to forgive. And it's based on God's forgiveness. God's word says if you'll forgive, he'll forgive. If you don't forgive you're going to remain to be tormented. Now, I want you all to bow your heads. I'm not going to make you raise your hands. But I want you to be honest with yourself because you know what? We can have an altar call. We can have this altar full. But if you don't really, if you don't really come to God, nothing's going to happen in your heart. We can say a prayer. We can walk the altar. But if some change doesn't take place in your heart, nothing is going to happen. What are you hanging on to? My first question is, are you being tormented? Are you ate up with fear? Are you ate up with rejection? Are you ate up with self-doubt? Are, are you questioning every turn? Do you not know where to go? Are you scared to death of what's coming next? You know, what is torment? If that's you, then I want, I want you to get, I want you to be tr honest with yourself and I want you to be honest with God and just ask Him, God, what am I hanging on to? What am I hanging on to? I want you to know that if, if, if you're a, a divorced person, and you haven't forgiven that spouse, you qualify for this scripture. If you've had a parent who abused you and you've not forgiven that, that parent, you qualify. 
if you can't forgive your spouse, you qualify. If you can't forgive your child, you qualify. If you can't forgive your pastor, you qualify. I'm not even saying anybody in this room hasn't forgiven me, but I'm telling you, I have sat where you sat and I've had issue with the pastor before. I've had issue with everybody. I've had issue with bosses. I've had issue with leadership. I've had issue with spouses. I've had issue with kids. I've had issue with parents. I've had issues with siblings. I've had issues with everybody. Sometimes those things want to pop back in my head, and I try to grab, Satan tries to get me to grab back hold of them. And I said, Nope, I forgave them years ago. You get behind me, Satan. Can you out of your mouth just right now between you and God just say, I forgive? And put that person's name in there. We're going to see next week. You've been waiting for an emotion or a feeling. You're not going to get it. You've been waiting for that moment you feel good to forgive them. You're not going to get it. Satan's not stupid. He's going to keep you mad at that situation forever. He's going to put people in your life to remind you of it. I got people coming at me today to remind me of a situation that I'm walking through. You know what I have to say? I'm not, I'm not going there anymore. I've forgiven, I've repented, and it's over. Get behind me, Satan. Satan, the only rightful place you have in my life, as long as I'm forgiven up and, Lord, I'm, and I'm filled up, is under my feet. That's the place Satan has. That's the one rightful place that he can be, is under my feet. I forgive. I held unforgiveness against a college student for doing something to me in college, and I held it for years. His name was Gary. All I did was just say, Lord God, I'm so mad, and I'm still so mad 10 years later. But Lord, and I've not seen this guy in forever. And here I sit holding unforgiveness. How stupid is that? Lord, I forgive Gary doesn't make what he did to me right, but I don't hold him to account for that debt any longer. And Lord God, I just pray right now that you would bless his heart. Bless that man. Do you know you can't hold unforgiveness if you start praying for him? You can't pray for somebody and hold unforgiveness against them. God will work that right out of you. Why do you think he says to pray for your enemies? He'll work that right out of you. Father, in Jesus' name, uh, just what uh, Jeff Hogue is doing, trying to awaken the church. Lord, awaken this church. Lord, let us get free of what Satan has bound us to. I believe it is directly connected to your health. I believe it is directly connected to your success. I believe it is directly connected to your relationships. Even your good relationships aren't where they should be because you're, you're holding unforgiveness somewhere else. Father, I just say again, search my heart. And Lord, you know the situations that I've got in my life. And Lord, I've forgiven them and it's done. And I just reject 
I just reject that trying to come back on. It has been paid for. I have released that for them never to have to be called to account for that debt again. Now, Father, those that might have forgiven some really hard situations, Lord, I just pray for comfort and peace and rest. And, Lord, that you would begin to fill that void, fill that dark hole with your love, with your light, with your power. Fill that hole, Lord. No one else can fill that hole. Fill that hole, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to leave you with one other thing, and it's from this David study again. You know, David had so many names for God, and I believe that David had a name for every need he had. Why? Do you know why? Because God is to meet every one of your needs. Tonight's been pretty heavy, but tonight's, I believe it's been good. If you will genuinely leave that, leave it here. You're going to come back and it's going to be gone. We're going to have a Holy Ghost cleansing of this sanctuary and you're going to come back and what you've laid on the altar tonight is going to be gone. Amen. So you don't have to come back in here and think about that anymore. You can say, nope, I remember. I was in church and I let that go. And that's not supposed to be a part of my, my DNA anymore. I'm free. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great night. Sorry I kept you late.